And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I'll be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Today, our guest mentor is the University of Texas internationally renowned philosopher and author, Jay Budashevsky. He is the author of a number of thought-provoking books, which caught my attention years ago, including my favorites, What We Can't Know, The Revenge of Conscience, and most recently, How and How Not to Be Happy. Jay, let's get started so our audience can put a perspective on all that we're going to talk about. What is philosophy? Oh well, you know the best the best definition of philosophy is the is the uh, is the ancient definition. It's the love of uh, the love of wisdom. Aristotle said that uh, philosophy begins in wonder. Everybody wonders. Uh, Pope John Paul II once said that in that sense, everybody's a philosopher. We all want to know what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, philosophy is uh, is an effort to try to get at those meanings a little bit more in a little bit more disciplined way, not by just saying, well, you know, this is what I feel, but by trying to work it out by logical reasoning. And why is it important? Well, because we're not just uh, garden slugs, you know, <laughs> the garden slug can live a flourishing life so far as you can flourish as a, as a garden slug without, without knowing the meaning of life or without knowing anything, but we can't. We are, we have a, an inclination to seek the truth and to know it, especially the truth about the greatest things like God. Uh, and we can't really be satisfied unless we, unless we, we, we are, are pointed in that direction. You know, Freud was always talking about suppressing uh, sexual urges and all the terrible things he said would happen if we did that. Uh, I don't think Freud knew the, the half of it. What really starts going wrong is if we try to suppress our longing to know the truth then we really mess ourselves up and we have to you know we have to acknowledge this is this is crucial for us and then the last question in this uh, stream of questioning is what does a philosopher do well i i have to admit now i sort of i sort of backed into philosophy because my first training was in political science uh, my degree wasn't even a, in a philosophy department but everybody calls me a philosopher because that's what i what i ended up doing uh, what a philosopher does is he is he is he thinks and he reasons and he builds arguments. He responds to the arguments of others. Now, in, in my case, the kind of philosophy, my philosophical approach, is something like the uh, the ancient approach that was used by Aristotle. It was used by Thomas Aquinas. What you do is you begin with common sense, but you try to elevate it. You know, you have to already know something, or you can't ever learn anything more. But we don't necessarily know what it is that we know, and sometimes we have to as one philosopher named Wittgenstein put it, assemble reminders, connect the dots of all these things that we already know, but we didn't even notice that we knew and put them together and say, now, what does that mean? If that's true, what does this imply? And I think that's a good method for talking about happiness because we have all these things we think we know and you question people a little bit more deeply and they may think, you know, I'm not so sure about that. What I really think is this. And they also have the experience to draw from as you're talking about these things so that helps i imagine a great deal just i mean philosophy probably is something becomes more important as we get older and have some experience under our belt well i think that we can do it better when we get older uh plato used to think that people shouldn't even be taught any philosophy until they're about 30 and uh that might be right experience is is really is really necessary you know on the other hand experience isn't self-interpreting you know you're always hearing people say well in my experience this is true and they may be talking through their hat, um, but uh, but well sifted experience, well reflected on experience with the help of other people, we need each other, and that includes other people across the centuries. This is a conversation that's still going on. Now that that experience uh, sifted and reflected on in that way is a lot more helpful. And you're also a professor of government and philosophy. So how do you connect the dots between those two? I think. 
I'm sure there's great similarities. Just very quickly for the audience, tell them sure. how we connect the dots. Well, um, government was my was my first field. Political science, government was my first field. But what I'm really interested in is the ethical foundations of political and social order. Those are usually thought of as philosophical questions. You know, it's it's there's three big big questions that philosophers ask. There's what is there. Uh, you know what what exists. What's the universe all about? There is um, there is how can I know? And there's how should I live? So the way I come into these things, having started in government and gone into the philosophy of this, is I'm interested in the how we should live side of this. Well, that, that whole uh, connection between government and happiness and our philosophy would be a whole other subject. I, yeah, I don't think government can do a lot to make us happy. I think that it's important, though, to think about happiness when we're talking about government, because government can do an awful lot to get in the way and to, and to, and yeah. to destroy people's happiness. Well, that's a good segue into what we have in our Constitution about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And let's start out. Are, are most people happy or unhappy? I'm, and I'm going to talk or ask you maybe to comment briefly about, you know, Gallup's Happiness Center, who tracks the world's happiness. Yeah. And they've got a World Happiness Report. And how do we measure happiness? Well, at the same time, we're seeing a significant rise in depression, suicide, and whatever. Yes, we are. I think that most people, or lots and lots of people, have some share of happiness. Now, that's different than saying that most people are simply happy. I think most people are not. And, um, and uh, the, in, it is interesting. I take those statistics, Gallup and all that sort of thing, with a big grain of salt because people don't always know whether they're happy and they don't know how to answer. And you ask them, and how you ask the question is going to change their answer. You say, are you satisfied with your life? They may say, oh, yeah. If you say, are you happy? They may say, well, not so, not so much. Um, but for what it's worth, these statistical measures show that people are reporting more and more negative responses over the over the last couple of decades when you ask them about their their happiness with the judging from that alone subjective self-reported uh opinions about their own happiness are at an all-time low uh and uh and i uh, what i take more seriously is how people live are they committing so you know maybe they don't know if they're happy but on the other hand i would say that if somebody commits suicide he's probably not and suicide is going up uh, people need people need lots more psychotherapy, or at least think they do. People are popping all kinds of pills. The the um, my larger and larger and larger numbers of my students are talking to the counselors on campus and getting accommodation letters saying I need special accommodations because I've got these psychological problems, and uh, people are having great difficulties. And the rise, what do you attribute that to? Well, you know, there, there are there are there are permanent causes of unhappiness. I think we're we're alienated from the ground of, 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 of meaning from our creator. Um, there are medium-term causes of unhappiness that have to do that are with the fact that our society has been going more and more in a direction that's really unnatural for human beings. We're we're performing experiments and things like family that aren't working out so well. And then there are very, very short-term causes of happiness, like I wouldn't so much say COVID made everybody unhappy, but I would say that the response we made to COVID in many ways made things worse instead of uh, better, isolating ourselves. We're social beings. We need to have contact with each other. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. The people who study this say that there were a lot of unexplained deaths during the COVID epidemic. In other words, deaths that that were way out of the statistical statistical norm, but could not be attributed to the disease. Now, I think a lot of that is due not to the disease, but to the way we reacted to it, like shutting ourselves up in little boxes and hiding away from everybody, not even letting other people see our faces. This is uh, this is devastating to people. It wouldn't be well, devastating to garden slugs, but it is to us. I, well, I, obviously, it's a it's a big topic. I, I just. I mean, you go on the internet. Uh, I used to be, I used to go to the bookstore more often than I do now, but you know, you see books by the art of happiness, the how of happiness, stumbling yeah. into happiness, the 12 steps to happiness. It seems like every other month, somebody's got a book coming out about happiness. So obviously there's a tremendous demand. 
uh, by people wanting to know how they find happiness. Yeah, this has also been, there has been an explosion of um, what sometimes is called happiness studies in psychology and in sociology and in management. A lot of which I think, frankly, is, is, is misguided. You can't manage happiness. Uh, and and most of the of the of the ancient wisdom, which is still good, like you need to develop good character to be happy, is is really neglected by these things. Although they they understand some things, they they've they their studies have demonstrated correctly uh, that um, that um, uh, you can't get money, you can't become happy just by having a pile of money. So we're gonna kind of go to the next. Uh... I go to break. We're going to be right back with University of Texas professor Jay Udashivsky, author of How and How Not to Be Happy. The Mentors is now in its sixth year. Check out past shows by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. feelgreat.vip to learn more. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital inter- and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Moore, and I'm with the University of Texas internationally renowned professor of government and philosophy, Jay Budashevsky. We are exploring the 13 myths of happiness. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. Subscribe at thementorsradio.com. So, Jay, before we get in the meat and potatoes about happiness, we talked a little bit about society and what we're seeing. And I think for context, because I know I think I'm going to come back to this later in the show. Let define for people what nihilism is. Oh, oh, sure. It comes from the Greek word nihil, which means nothing. Uh, a, ni- a nihilist or a nihilist is somebody who believes in nothing. He's uh, he stopped believing in everything. And, you know, there are all different versions of this. But uh, back in the day, when I was a young man, I I passed through a period of, of of nihilism or nihilism. I didn't believe in that there was a real difference between good and evil. I thought this was something human beings made up for themselves. I didn't really believe in the existence of persons. I thought we were just I don't know processes, mechanisms, something like that. I didn't believe that we had personal responsibility for our actions. I didn't believe that I could trust any of my perceptions about the world. Uh, so I was sort of left in uh, nowhere land, and that was a kind of, and I was programmatically committed to this. So that was nihilism. I, it was crazy, but but uh, but you know. So I'm not boasting of this, but that's where I was. And that's something that's uh, infected our culture, hasn't it? To yes, great it extent? is. In one version or another, sure it has. Although you know, there are different versions of this. Um, um, Sartre, you know, the existentialist philosopher, that was the kind of nihilism that says, well, nothing really means anything, and that's cool. 
you know, because I'll make meaning or something. There and then, then there are people who say uh, everything is er, nothing means anything, and woe is me, woe is me. Then there are people who say nothing means anything, but I'm one of the tough ones who can know that that's true and still survive. The macho nihilism, you know. So there's so you've got all these versions: pop nihilism, macho nihilism. I saw a a, a commercial for some kind of a a marketing firm. They produced a video that was total nonsense. Of a of a child just seeing something that made no sense at all, and just thinking, well, okay, and um, it was an actual nihilist approach to marketing. I was astonished. This is the, you you've got philo- there's there's one philosopher in a in a very widely quoted article said, well, if nothing means anything, we don't have to worry about it because because that means that our our worrying about it doesn't mean anything either. So <laughs> let's just relax. Okay. All right. Now, to, now, I mean, that's a, as part of our society today. So let's talk now about the, uh, happiness. What, what is happiness? Happiness is flourishing. People will say happiness is pleasure. No, you can have all the pleasure in the world and not be happy. Well, they say happiness is a feeling. No, happy people tend to have good feelings, but feelings come and go. And happiness is an abiding condition of flourishing of living well and doing well being fulfilled this is tom Laurie. you're listening to the mentors radio show today i'm with jay ujashevsky and we are talking about the one simple key to true joy and a happy life so what would you tell i mean we have this is the pursuit of happiness then wired into us Oh, yeah, I think we can't help but want want what is good. As a matter of fact, uh, what several great philosophers have, have said is that um, it's impossible for a human being to ever to even want anything except because it seems good to him and seems connected with his happiness. I don't mean like these like these silly utilitarians who say greatest good of the have greatest number. They're talking about pleasure. But I mean that that we 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 desire what is truly good and truly fulfilling for a human being. Of course, that sure that's wired into us, and it's more than just the things that are wired into. Uh, you know, I keep saying the garden slugs or the foxes or the dogs. I mean, it may be wired into the dog that he's looking for a mate that he that he that he uh, that he wants his next meal, but we are we are we're designed in such a way that we can actually think about this and seek the truth of it. And what's happiness for for us is not the same as what's happiness for these subrational creatures. And do we uh, confuse satisfaction with happiness? Um, well, I, 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 it depends on what you mean by satisfaction. I guess if you say, if, if by satisfaction, you mean saying, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask for anything more. Uh, that's enough. I mean, satisfaction could mean, could mean a lot of things. It could mean I've, I'm, I've given up on happiness. I'm just going to settle. I, I don't, a person who just settles and, and settles for, and says, I'm satisfied with what I can get, even though it's not much, I wouldn't call this a happy person. But on the other hand, it's possible to teach, to learn, to be satisfied uh, this is a part of virtue. This is actually a part of our happiness to be satisfied with not beating ourselves up over what we can't get. I think that's different than giving up on happiness. I think that's an attitude that's necessary for happiness. So what advice, I'm sure you give lots of advice I know you do to your students, but what advice would you give a truck driver on I-5 who is pursuing happiness? Well, okay. Um, first of all, I think that he should. Um, I think he should come to know himself and understand his own motives for doing things. I think he should try to be a good person, practice the virtues. That's not what you what one expects to hear, right? But there's nothing more important um, for the happiness of this life, uh, which is incomplete, but such as it is for the happiness of this life, than to uh, than to cultivate the virtues and try to be try to be a good person. If we don't, even even good things that come to us won't be good for us. You can win the lottery and it may ruin your life. If we don't have the virtues and have practical wisdom, then we won't be able to endure the bad things that happen either. And we'll think, woe is me, I'm ruined. So you need, uh, you need good character. And, um, and that tells you what to do about all the other things. It tells you how to practice friendship. We need friends. How to 
uh, how to seek the truth, how to manage your practical affairs, how to raise your family, how to how much material things you need, and when it's enough and you don't need any more. You know, this is this is uh, this is virtue. This is practical wisdom and good character. So when we come back after break, we're going to talk about that lottery and the destruction of life. So we're with the University of Texas professor Jay Mojiszewski, author of How and How Not to Be Happy. Remember, you can now listen to our Saturday broadcast, not only on Salem Radio in Northern California, but live anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio or TuneIn Radio. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org oathbook.org it's a bully but we aren't afraid of a fight it's elusive but our focus never fades it's deadly but we were born to defeat cancer you may not have heard of us but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer we are the leukemia and lymphoma society we are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital Integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention the mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Laura, and I'm with University of Texas International Renowned Professor of Government and Philosophy, Jay Bujasevsky, and we're exploring the 13 myths of happiness. If you've tuned in late or want to make sure you do not miss future shows, go to our website or your favorite broad podcast platform and subscribe to The Mentors Radio. So let's let's cut to the chase here. Uh, let's talk about that person who gets the lottery, and one of the myths of uh, that you talk about is wealth. Uh, the problems of wealth. Uh, people, a lot of people. Of course, I'm here in Silicon Valley. Uh, money's a big deal. Being wealthy, even people keep uh, scorecards on who's wealthiest and not so wealthy. Talk a little bit about wealth and why that is a myth. You notice that not all of that craving for wealth is really a craving for wealth. When you were talking about a scorecard, some of that craving is for wealth, but some of that craving is for just being better than somebody else 
or being having a higher having a sky, higher score on some contest that we're in with other people or being more well known for being wealthy but yes uh wealth is a is a mistake now like every mistake about happiness there is a grain of truth in it we're not disembodied intellects okay we are embodied souls we have bodies we need to eat we need to have shelter we need to have a roof over our head i need to be able to feed my kids I need to be able to send them to school. I need to be able to put clothes on their bodies. Of course, you need some material things. Call that wealth if you want to. The mistake comes in when we think that be, just because we need some of that stuff, that therefore, the more of it we have, the happier we'll be. As a matter of fact, wealth be, significantly beyond what we need can be bad for us. Uh, the great philosopher Aristotle once remarked that good fortune in excess might better be called bad fortune. I think that's true. I think he was thinking mostly about material wealth there and because of the mistake that people make about it. Well, I know people who have made a billion dollars and they're working 14 hours a day to make $2 billion. And then when you look at their life, they have to have bodyguards. They have to worry about their children uh, being kidnapped. Uh, in many ways, they're isolated. They don't know really who their friends are. Uh, I mean, these are other aspects of the striving uh, to want more. Um, yes, yes. You know, it's funny. The, the, this, this is very similar to the mistake about power. People, people think if I have power, if I and you know, old people don't like to say power. They, they will pretend to themselves that they don't want power. They'll say, I want responsibility. I want a greater sphere of influence. Well, that's power, but uh, it's the same thing there. Everybody is suspicious of you. People are trying to bring you down. You you find that that people suck up to you. They become apparent friends, not because uh, they really care about you, but because of, in the one case, the wealth, in the other case, your power. And uh, the, the classical critique of seeking uh, of seeking uh, wealth and power turned largely on the fact that it, not just that it was wrong or immoral you know to to seek to use power wrongly although that's true too but that you wouldn't be happy this is tom Laurie. you're listening to the mentors radio show today i'm with jay ruzhashevsky and we're talking about the one simple key to true joy and a happy life let's go down to another one so we cover a couple of these for our audience Fame and just being, that's a big deal today. Fame and being noticed. TikTok, Instagram, uh, people have become famous using these internet tools. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is really two things, and I treat them differently in, in two chapters. One, if by fame, I use, I mean, just being noticed, just having attention. And by glory, I mean, being, being, being noticed for something good about you. Okay, but let's just talk about fame. You know, you've got these crazy things like the young pop star who had herself uh, filmed in a famous YouTube video um, riding on a wrecking ball nude and mouthing the words, pay attention to me. Now, this is the same young pop star who then subsequently is on a is on a YouTube video blubbering and crying and begging her fans to leave her alone and stop paying attention to her while she put herself on a pedestal. She said, look at me, look at me, look at me. And she can't live that way. See, it's just like with, with wealth and with power. There is a grain of truth in the mistake that being noticed leads to happiness. We are social beings. It is impossible for us not to be interested in friendship and in approval and in what people are thinking of, of us. But you don't want to become obsessed about this. This should be measured. You know, you should, you should think, who is it worth being friends with? Whose opinion of me is really valuable? And, and, uh, and, and uh, to, to forget that kind of distinction, well, the, the desire for attention has been, has been called the, the last vice of, of even the noble soul. And it is a vice. Well, we've had a couple of entertainers, guests uh, that had world uh, stardom, uh, Dolores Hart uh, and Tai Chi, who is a Croatian rock star, who both rejected uh, fame and rejected the industry with uh, uh, Dolores Hart becoming a, a nun, uh, just celebrated her 55th anniversary as a nun. And Tai Chi has decided to try and help coach people 
in terms of living a good life. Uh, That's wonderful. People can listen to those shows, but it's interesting. And then last night, uh, not uh, by by accident, I ended up watching something on HBO. uh, And it was about a guy named Joe Francis who developed Girls Gone Wild, which was, I kind of missed me. That was back in the 90s, where he actually went out on beaches and spring breaks and he videotaped girls showing us, uh, showing various parts of their body and creating fame, which led to all sorts of destruction. So one of the things, it goes back to this desire for fame uh, can also lead you to do some things you never really wanted to do and people can take advantage. I guess that's true of a lot of these things where you're put in a position where you're vulnerable to being taken advantage of if these uh, various things for happiness are are overpowering. Yes, yes, you you are putting yourself at the mercy of some overpowering desire, which in turn puts you at the mercy of those who have some control over this thing that you have an overpowering desire for. If you if you crave being noticed more than anything, then you're going to be at the mercy of those who can give you notice and who will punish you because whenever you're really really noticed, uh, they're going to want to bring you down. And when you and I were uh, getting ready for the show, we talked a little bit about divorce and marriage and expectations. Yes. Uh, this is a big issue in our country as well in terms of what is love. Could you just, we got about, uh, about a minute and a half left. Maybe you could give us a short insight into divorce, marriage, commitment, and love. Sure. I, I'd say, first of all, I, I think we misunderstand love. Just like we misunderstand happiness, we think happiness is a feeling. We think love is a feeling. No, I mean, feelings are associated with love. But let me tell you, when you promise to love and, to love and obey, when you promise to love in the marital ceremony, you're not promising a feeling. Nobody can promise a feeling. Feelings come and go. What you're promising is, is something you can promise. It's a commitment of your will to the true good of the other person, which tends to generate good feelings. They may disappear they may come back. People think, oh, love is gone when the feeling disappears. Now the feeling may come back. But the crucial thing is that you've got to have that attitude. You're committed to the true good of this person in, as we say, in sickness and in health, in good feelings and in not feelings. This doesn't mean so long as things shall be cool. Well, we're going to come back and we're going to talk, uh, uh, continue to talk about this. And I want to talk a little bit about addictions. We're going to be right back with the University of Texas professor, Jay Budashevsky, author of How and How Not to Be Happy. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Lauren. I'm with University of Texas, internationally renowned professor of government and philosophy, 
J. Budashevsky. We're exploring the 13 myths of, myths of happiness. I, let's talk a little bit about addictions. Uh, I'm sure that plays into this pursuit of happiness or maybe to avoid pain. Uh, maybe you could talk a little about addictions and the danger of addictions and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, it, well, you know, addiction is a complicated thing. It, 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 some uh, some people become addicted to drugs because they're looking for a, a high, they're looking for a pleasure, it's hedonistic. But uh, it, that isn't always the case. Some people become addicted to, to drugs, not because they're looking for, for, for pleasant feelings, um, but because they're trying to kill pain, because they're trying to kill pain. And that really backfires. I remember I was once being interviewed on the radio about... Um, about some of the crazy things that we do. And a, a fellow, call, it was a call-in show, a fellow called in and he said, he said, I know what you mean. He said, uh, he said, I, I'm an alcoholic. He said, I'm on the wagon right now, I'm not drinking. But uh, when I was drinking, I would feel terrible about drinking. And so I would drink, hmm. you know, this is the trap that we get into. And now that there can be compulsive behaviors like that of all kinds, whether people argue about whether they should all be called addictions or not. But some people are compulsive about sex, compulsive about money, compulsive even about um, uh, social relationships. How many people have, have clicked the like button on the social media? And uh, this, these kinds of things can be intoxicating to us. And they, they, ha they, they have a lot in common with chemical addiction. So we've talked about uh, wealth, power, fame, love, a number of the myths. Now, in each of these, and you made the comment, there's a kernel of truth or, of happiness in each of these. But they will never fulfill that desire for complete happiness. And we have to settle for what you say, incomplete happiness. And... I also understand that each of these things, though, in, in the good sense, points us in the direction of happiness. Could you, I put a lot into that question, would you talk a little bit about all of those things? Yes, what, what, um, what we're talking about here is the difference between perfect and imperfect happiness. Now, what I talked about, what I mentioned before, when you asked me what, it, what I would say to the truck driver or some other ordinary person, and I said, well, in this life, what you really need is, is good character. And uh, and you need a certain amount of good fortune too. Okay, if you're if 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 you're being tortured on the rack, if you're if you fall out of an airplane, you're this is this is an impediment to your happiness. Uh, okay, good character and good fortune, virtue and luck. That's about the best that you can achieve by the use of your own powers in this life. It's nothing to sneeze at. But I call this imperfect happiness because we all know that it leaves much to be desired. It, it is interrupted. It is incomplete. It's fragmentary. It's compatible with all kinds of frustrations. Is there such a thing as perfect happiness? I don't think that we would have a desire for it if, 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 if there weren't such a possibility. We desire food. Well, there is such a thing as food. Okay. We desire uh, beauty. Well, there are beautiful things. We desire friends, friendship. There is such a thing as friendship. Uh, and I think that there is such a thing as perfect happiness. But I think that this requires some assistance from beyond uh, our own human powers, because this is something that cannot be fulfilled or satisfied by anything within nature, anything within the created order, anything within reach of just our own, just our own grasp. What we have to do is seek the face of God and ask for the grace that he draws us to himself. And I think that in the next life, in seeing his face, those who see it will be completely fulfilled. So there's perfect happiness and in the, there's imperfect happiness. The imperfect happiness, I can give a lot of practical advice about that. It's nothing to be to sneeze at, but I always tell people don't settle for that. You can, uh, perfect happiness is possible, but it isn't possible by your own powers in this life. You've got to seek the face of God. So we're going down this path we get a hint in these various things that we've talked about. Then there is a tendency we want more. And I, I always think as I was reading your book, if I were transported back to 1850 and then brought back to today, what would the people of I mean, talk about food and toilets and running water and electricity, all of these things that have evolved over time. 
Yet this striving for happiness is still the same. It's unchanged. It is still the same. And I'm not so convinced that despite all of those advantages, and I think there are advantages. Look, I'm happy about indoor plumbing. <laughs> uh, I'm happy about central heating. But for all those happiness, those those advantages, it's amazing. People just get used to those things and it just it just fits into their expectations. And they aren't necessarily significantly happier. Um, so I'm, I, I'm not starry eyed about people who say, who say happiness, happy, you know, progress, progress, progress. We're all getting happier and happier day by day. I'm getting better and better. No, I think, I think the requirement for us is the same as the requirement that it's been in all ages. You know, you have to, you have to practice good. You have to learn the virtues. You have to learn, learn, uh, justice and temperance and courage and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, prudence. And you have to, um, and uh, and use these things in dealing with the bit of the bit of good fortune that you do have and the bad fortune that you endure, um, and that's been the same in 1850 as it is as it is today, and it's going to be the same in 2050, and it's going to be the same in in 2650. Um, I, I I think that's that's uh, that's 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 going to be an everlasting truth. So when you talk about the face of God. What do you say to those people that maybe are not believers in God, people who are irreligious? Well, I don't think that, um, I think it is rational to seek God. Uh, people sometimes think that whether you seek God or not is a matter of whether I am a religious person. You know, I may say I'm not a religious person. It's like saying I'm not the kind of person who likes to eat liver pate. I'm not the, I'm not the kind of person who likes to go uh, roller skating. Um, it isn't just a matter of personal temper, temperament or liking. The fact is that we were designed for this longing and we all have it, even if we're not aware of it. When you go out sometimes, you know, for me, I look at the face of the moon and I want something. And let me tell you, it isn't the moon. There's something more. There's something more that we all want. That is, in fact, God, whether we know it or not. Yeah, there was a, an author, and it, uh, I've forgotten his name now, but he wrote a book called Beauty. And the essence of beauty is uh, coming to the embracing of God. Uh, yeah. I mean, beauty, whether I'm an oil painter, uh, so I'm kind of oriented to the arts, but I know that music and arts they speak to something else in us that you can't write. Uh, they go ahead. You look like you're ready to say something. Jump in. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No. I, I think you're absolutely right. And the peculiar thing about it is, though, that it's a double longing. You desire the beautiful thing. Oh, I, I wish I could have that painting in my house always. I wish I could or you in love. I wish I could look at your face all the time. But that longing is it associated with another longing for, for something that cannot be satisfied fully by looking at that painting or by gazing into that person's face. And that is the longing for God. That's why the love, human love, and that's why beauty has the fragrance of eternity. Because the desire for those beautiful and wonderful things arouses in us the desire for something that is not perishing like they are. So we're going to come right back with the University of Texas Professor Jay Budashevsky, author of How and How Not to Be Happy. You'll find all of our show notes and links at TheMentorsRadio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. Better life, better business. Hi, I'm Christoph Naur. I'm a certified business and life coach, helping business owners increase productivity, profits, and improve personal life. I'm the founder of Balance 6, money, health, relationship, time management, self-improvement, and higher power. I coach business owners to work smarter, not longer, to have time for better personal life. I hold you accountable for making time available to balance six, to nurture yourself and your relationships, and making more money with less stress. Get off the hamster wheel, and I will show you the secrets to real success. In case you're wondering about my accent, I came from Switzerland more than 30 years ago. But I assure you, my coaching will be in excellent English. Visit our website at balance6.biz. That's balance6.biz.
It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact Contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Loy, and I'm with the University of Texas internationally renowned professor of government and philosophy, Jay Budashevsky, and we're exploring the 13 myths of happiness. So why did you write this book? Well, there were three reasons. One is that I, I look around me and I see that my students and many, many other people in this society are desperately unhappy. Another reason is that when I was a young man, I was desperately unhappy. You know, we talked about nihilism earlier. That's where I was. I was, I was in, in no place land. I was really out in the wilderness. And I've learned something since then. So, you know, you want to do some good to people. But another much more practical reason is that I had written 666 pages of line-by-line -line commentary on the greatest work on happiness in the history of, um, of thought, which is the Treatise on Happiness of Thomas Aquinas. And I knew that, that although this was stuff that people needed to hear, um, very few people other than scholars and a few students were gonna be reading that. So I wanted to write something that was more, more accessible to uh, intelligent uh, readers who weren't scholars. And again, going back to my friend, the truck driver, which you talked about, and let's expand on that. Again, simply, what is it that people should be doing in the pursuit of happiness? I guess one thing is understanding it's yeah. imperfect. Yeah, our understanding and is embrace imperfect. that. Yeah, and embrace that. Embrace that the happiness that's available to us by our own powers is imperfect. I don't think that we should embrace the idea that happiness as such is impossible, that we can't have perfect, but 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 perfect happiness is is beyond our powers. It lies in the power of God, whom we have to seek. And then we can have it. Yeah, so I would say that, look, if you want the fragmentary, partial, imperfect, incomplete, interrupted happiness of this life, the best advice that I can give to you, uh, besides learning about the various myths, is, um, is cultivate the virtues and, and hope for good fortune. That, that answer leaves something to be desired, but I can give you a better answer. If you want the complete and perfect happiness that lulls all desire, leaves nothing further to be desired. You're going to have to seek the face of God with all your heart and ask him for the grace to bring you there. So one of the things as I, again, going through this book, I was a single parent. I went through a very uh, challenging five years as a single parent and dealing with getting my children on their right foot. And I look back and, you know, I was in the frying pan. Uh, people that are close to me know, I mean, it was horrendous what I had to go through. 
But I look back on those times and some of the most beautiful moments in my life were moments during the toughest of times. You're the philosopher. Maybe you can, I'm, I'm just always amazed. I go back and I go, wow, that was, I wish I had not worried so much about what I was worrying about and took time to enjoy what I was doing. Yeah, often we often when we've been happy, we don't even notice that we're happy into except in retrospect and we say, Oh, we were happy then, weren't we? But uh, but what you say about adversity is true. You know, all of the most important things that I've learned in life, I've learned in adversity. I learned how much I really loved my father when he was failing and I had to take care of him. I I learned about what it was to be a father when when uh, when one of my daughters was going through the teenage years and was being very difficult. I I uh, I I learned what marriage is and what love is when when my wife and I were having some of the some of the hardest hardest times it was pretty rocky for us in the beginning and um and I it's in so much of it has been because it has been also from learning from my mistakes so I'm grateful for them I mean I wouldn't wish misfortune on anybody but on the other hand John Don had was was onto something when he said affliction is a treasure and scarcely any man has enough of it and we try to avoid it. I mean, it's, we make That's choices right. to avoid it. Yeah. Or I wouldn't say we cho choose to avoid affliction. We choose to avoid doing some things that could be very challenging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we try to avoid all pain. That, that's, that's not the path to happiness. And we can grow in that uh, period of um, adversity. I think that's the bottom line. I, I know I look back, and I've mentioned this to you on the uh, last week. I look back on that period and my prayer at that time to God was don't make me bitter, but make me better. Yeah. And I look back on those years as uh, coming out of them, a much better human being. So I, I get it. Anything else? Last thought? Any last um, thoughts? Not really, except that I just would want to say to people, don't give up. You know, it is possible to be happy. You don't have to be miserable all the time, um, but you need the grace of God. Well, that's it. Thank you very much. Uh, we've been with Jay Budashevsky, author of How and How Not to Be Happy. We've been discussing the myths of happiness and the path to true joy and a happy life. You will find the links to this and other books and his website on our website, thementorsradio.com. Remember, if you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by downloading podcasts by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make, sure, make it easy for yourself. Subscribe to future shows. Thank you for listening. We're going to be back next weekend at this time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Lorry signing off for today. Remember, be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.